You're tuned in to KZMU Moab Community Radio. The following episode of Thought for Food was recorded on location at the Youth Garden Project. Here's host Tim Buckingham. Hi, uh, welcome to another edition of Thought for Food. I'm your host, Tim Buckingham, and I'm on location here at the uh, Youth Garden Project. And with me today is uh, Nikki. Nikki is the manager, the farm manager, manager. that's correct. And Caitlin, you're the, you're the project manager. The, what's, uh, what's your the executive director. Executive the director. So, so I understand this is the 25th anniversary yeah. we're coming up yep, for the Youth Garden Project. So we are entering our 25th year. <laughs> wow. Describe for our listeners uh, how the Youth Garden Project came about uh, its history and kind of how it's evolved in the last 25 years now. So. Yeah, sure. So um, we started in 1996 in Sarah Heffron's backyard, which is pretty much across the street from uh, where we are today over in the Mulberry Grove um, area. And so it started in her backyard with one program um, for youth to do court-ordered community service in a nurturing, hands-on outdoor environment. And so, yeah, since that time, we've grown a lot. From my understanding of some of those early days, uh, you know, people were really engaged and interested and approached her to start doing a couple of more programs. And so that's kind of what started the momentum to continue to grow. And eventually the space outgrew her backyard and we moved on to this current site, which is an acre and a half of school district property. And we've been here since 2001. So we've been 20 years on this site. And we now offer, I think it's over nine different youth programs. And then we also do a variety of community events and community centered programs. And so those Uh, still include working with youth that have community service to complete, but we also operate a field trip program for pre-K through sixth grade where students come and learn uh, core curriculum in the garden um, twice a year in spring and fall. We teach high school classes. We do workshop style learning with middle school and high school. We have after school programs, summer camp, Uh, We have a youth development and employment program called Seed Crew for 14 to 18 year olds. Um, I think that's most of the youth. We have a youth volunteer corps. I could go on and on, but (laughs) 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 like, oh yeah, and that one other thing. Um, But we also do, we have community supported agriculture. We sell our produce um, sometimes to restaurants or to Moonflower. Uh, or just community members stopping by. We also have a produce donation program that we've been really expanding um, in the last couple of years. So we donate a portion of our produce to our community partners that operate food bank programs. Um, Gee, then we have an internship program. So you're not actually (laughs) part of the school, per se. You're independent and nonprofit. Correct, yeah, we're our own independent 501c3, but part of the exchange of leasing this property from the school district is that we offer programs at no cost to the district and its students. So um, the field trip program would be an example of that, and so we're really here to supplement 
um, the learning of Grand County youth, whether that's through direct in-school correlation or um, out-of-school extracurricular. So. Okay, so, so it has grown as far as what you offer quite substantially over yeah. the years. Yeah, so the number of programs and the way that we're relating to the schools and their needs as well as the rest of the community um, has evolved and changed considerably. And then the space alone, I'm not sure what the square footage of Sarah's, you know, the original garden plot is, but we're about an acre and a half, and uh, we just started expanding, finding more areas in our growing space to grow more food, and we're actually leasing um, a couple of rows over in the Mulberry Grove, uh, to help the original location the, yeah. close to close like to. pretty much right across uh, you know there's a little neighborhood path in that HOA back there and so like the current ag plot that we're helping the neighborhood to establish is almost it's pretty much like across from or adjacent to um, Sarah's original backyard and where the garden originally was so um, yeah it's pretty exciting and how long have you been here as the director? I've been in the director role since 2018. Um, I worked at the garden from 2010 to 2015 as a program director and an AmeriCorps member. Actually moved to Moab to work at the youth garden, so oh. I basically, you know, live here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I moved right. to Moab and I moved to the youth garden and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, and Nikki, you are the farm manager is your title and what does that entail exactly well in the array of things happening at the youth garden um, I'm on the farmy side of things so I am the farm manager and I work closely with Sarah who's our produce manager and together we basically run the production side and the distribution side of the food grown at YGP so my role is more of the growing side um, and then kind of hand it off to Sarah and there's a lot of collaboration in that too so it's a lot of establishing what are we going to grow, how much are we going to grow, where is it going to be, how do we tend to the land that we're growing on, and how do we get youth involved in that process and make it and set it up so it naturally involves youth. You mentioned the distribution. So uh, what happens to the product once you grow it? And yeah, so our produce goes into all around town. Uh, we run a community-supported agriculture box, like a weekly or bi-weekly vegetable box, um, running for the, almost the full kind of growing season. We sell to restaurants, we sell to Moonflower, and we also bring a lot of our produce into the schools. We have a new program called Harvest of the Month, where we'll have a featured vegetable from the garden at all of the schools in Moab um, throughout the month um, to get that engagement. A lot of our produce is also donated through partner organizations um, and distributed through other programs that we have on the farm with all of our educational programs. We provide snacks for kids who come here. We do cooking workshops. We do a program called Weed and Feed where folks come help us weed the garden or do work in the garden. And in exchange, we cook a meal together or have a community guest chef prepare meals uh, from the garden produce. So there's just lots of uh, lots of places our produce is going. And, of course, some of it is just eaten with people snacking on it in the garden and people who are engaging with the space in that way. Right. And so uh, right now we're in the uh, geodesic 
greenhouse? Is that where? The grow dome. The grow dome. Grow dome. Uh, so what's going on here right now? I see lots of little seedlings and plants going on. And yeah, the grow domes are really fun space. Uh, I think at the youth garden because it transforms so many times throughout the season. Um, so right now we are kind of in this transformative phase. We're leaving our winter crop. So uh, the past few months we've had kale, spinach. We can see we have snap peas growing. Um, some mixed greens growing, just trying to extend our season production. And now it's actually getting invaded by all of our plant starts that we've been growing for the youth garden uh, plant sale. That happens on April 17th. Um, and we, this space will completely fill up with those plant starts as they kind of grow out of our greenhouse space. Um, and then once they all find homes in a few weeks, we will plant some of our summer crops in here. Tomatoes, cucumbers, beans, and have that grow throughout the season, sweet potatoes too, and then we'll close it down, plant some winter crops or maybe some cover crops, and start it all over again. Okay, so uh, keep that in mind, uh, the listeners out there. There will be plants available shortly. What was the date on that April again? 17th. April 17th. You can come down and uh, buy your uh, plants for this year's garden. And uh, do you offer advice to your our local growers out there to what to do with their plants and what to plant? I think you can call it advice. Mostly it's just <laughs> a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. Okay. So I, I know we all love talking about how to grow food and just to hear what people know. Um, I'm pretty new to this growing region, so I'm learning a lot of what's relevant here. Um, and it's so excited to learn and share uh, what I know and learn from folks about what they know. Speaking of growing regions, um, what makes Moab uh, unique for me, well, it, it's, I think Moab's a really unique region in that it gets so much sun. I'm coming from the Pacific Northwest, where you really don't get that much sun all winter. Um, and that means that you can be growing here year-round, especially in these protected spaces like the grow dome that we're in right now. So that feels really special. Obviously, there's other challenges as far as water shortages. Our soil's really interesting, which if anyone wants to be a soil nerd for a while, we can totally talk about that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so there's some really unique challenges uh, to this area, but also some really cool advantages that allow us to grow lots, like a wide variety of food uh, throughout the year. Okay, so you mentioned uh, ways that the youth garden raises money, um, the the dinners, and uh, I know that you do the big auction every year. Uh, that's a big part, right? So what goes on with that? Yeah, um, well, we have, it's actually, today's the last day of the auction, coincidentally, on this uh, interview date, but a variety of local and regional businesses, regional like in Utah, and then also Grand Junction, um, like we, this year we've had over 500 uh, donations from artists, businesses of different kinds, restaurants, etc., and um through their generosity, we're able to uh, put on an online auction and people from all over the country get to bid on practical items like coffee beans you're going to use to drink your morning coffee anyway, or uh, that once-in-a-lifetime skydiving opportunity you were wanting. So yeah, that that raises us a considerable amount of money Um, this year. Just looking at it this morning, a record-breaking nearly $22,000. We also do a harvest festival in the fall, which is another fundraiser, another time that the business community sponsors um, 
that event so that we're able to offer it for free and people are able to come to the site and really learn about the seed to table process. Um, that's something that we started in 2019 and last year we continued to operate it but on a, like a, a COVID friendly <laughs> scale. Right. Uh, so, but that's, that's an exciting other fundraiser that we've been throwing in the mix lately that I think is very mission driven and oriented and were you able to do your chef dinners last season or we did yeah we were able to uh offer i think we did four in total three that were on site and one that we did with sorrel river ranch it might have been five we did um a mother's day brunch box in the early days of covid when like nobody was really quite ready to do outdoor dining yet um we kind of did like you know those blue apron boxes that people sign up for oh, online right. so we kind of did that we made a little brunch box with the recipe cards and we're like so that was really fun um but yeah last year our previous farm manager was an excellent chef is an excellent chef and um so he actually designed the menu for at least two of the dinners and then we had uh chef Christina Sunshine come, and I feel like there was one out there that I can't remember right now, but you've done oh, a dinner. I have in the past, and I, I'm getting inspired to do a, uh, more uh, Great. being here. We're going to ask him in a couple of weeks. He doesn't know it okay, yet. Well, well uh, <laughs> the thing that might be inspiring also is that during the COVID and, and you know, the restaurant being closed now, I, I have evolved into being vegan. So I have been working on my uh, recipes and my uh, techniques to create uh, inspiring dishes out of just vegetables. And I found it very challenging but very rewarding because it's, you know, you have a piece of meat, you know, a good piece of meat, and anyone can, you know, grill a piece of meat and that. But the challenge is to find vegetables and make them into great meals and so have you been doing any of the um like alternative dairy experimenting with that i know people do a lot with like cashews and things and i have i have i've i've done some uh, almond milk and and stuff like that non-dairy also yeah so 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 you said the former uh garden manager was uh good at uh chefdom and so are you gonna have to brush up your skills while you're here i'm ready i love i love cooking and i have i have a feeling we'll be cooking some pretty different food we have different backgrounds but um the reason that i part of the reason i love farming is by sharing and connecting over food so getting to be part of that process would be huge and of course it's something i'm excited to do uh, and be part of as well well yeah and being a good chef you are connected with the food and being connected with the food, of course, is a big part of gardening and that. Because my philosophy is if you can grow it, do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. everyone should have a garden if possible. Uh, and uh, I've always had gardens, and I'm looking forward to this year of expanding on that With uh, now that I have the time and the space. And so I'm here to get pointers, pointers from you also. 
You're listening to Thought for Food on KZMU Moab Community Radio. When the program returns, host Tim Buckingham will take a tour of the Youth Garden Project. Okay, now now we're outside in the garden itself. What is this uh, area here that we're coming on to? So this middle section, this is these are called the F beds, and we're right uh, across the bike path here, and. Um, this is YGP production garden space that's really nestled in between these two other um, public snacking gardens. So that's sort of an exploratory space. And then this middle section is YGP production garden space. And then this other section over here is what we call the community nibble garden. And so we plant it as full as we can and its whole purpose is just as a food source for people that are walking by the bike path. Also, so, people going down the bike path can stop at the garden and admire and snack. They can snack, they can harvest nice. and take home. And uh, yeah, I've had a couple people, one person recently was like, the nibble garden is how I was able to have vegetables one summer, which I thought was really cool. Um, so it's nice because you don't, you plant it and let it grow and you don't always see people like coming and uh, taking the harvest just because, you know, it's, we're working or we're not here because it's the evening or something. And so I like that it's available for people to. So this is actually a, fresh food? a, a garden you can come and raid and actually <laughs> yeah. Have no problem with it. <laughs> yeah, no problem with it. Yep, community nibble garden. That's what it's there for. And then same with that sensory snack garden, which is like going to have lots of the like the lunchbox peppers and peas and cherry, to- cherry, tomatoes. cherry tomatoes and little things that are easy Snacky to just... Snacky things. Yep. <laughs> sounds delicious. And then if we come back across the path this way... Um, this was one of the first structures that was built on the YGP site. Uh, our greenhouse. It's like straw bale. It is a straw bale greenhouse. Um, and it is old and loved, but very functional. It gets hot in there. So our plant babies that we were just hanging out with in the grow dome were, if you just want to pop your head Seedlings going on here. Looks like some peppers and tomatoes and lots of plants so many plants as you can see it's a balancing act between there and here it's like okay yeah and this is where it all starts you know we're planting our first seeds i think january 26th was like the the opening day for the greenhouse Uh, and so since then it's there's now a lot more plants so do you uh do any of the do you harvest your own seeds any of them also in this space uh, i know some seeds have been saved in the past um, seed saving is a amazing component of farming that um, you can tap into in different ways. I know we have some Colorado river beans that have been saved year to year that will be growing again in this space that were originally donated um, to, I think, the youth garden and the community garden in Moab. So we'll continue to save those seeds. Other plants, you can't quite save the seeds because of the planting density or proximity to other plants in a similar family. There's a lot of these little uh, kind of guidelines for saving seeds. So we'll definitely save what we can um, and see how it grows out next year. But this also gives us an opportunity. We try to source seed from local seed producers as well in the Southwest uh, where we can. So 
it's so also okay try to, to keep it regional guys. to this area as much as possible i'm sure mm-hmm. yeah as much as possible because that really helps you if you buy from somebody that's regional then you know that it's tried and true in a similar climate which i think really helps um, with the plant so i know one thing about growing in moab is uh, weeds <laughs> and uh, weed mitigation. What uh, is it? Just hand labor, <laughs> basically. Actually, you can see you can see this in action right now. We have okay. two folks out there with cultivating hoes. They're hand tools, but you're able to stand while you use them. Um, and it's almost like sweeping with a broom, except that it's a metal blade on the bottom that cuts the weeds at the base and can also pull them up to the top of the surface where their roots fry in the sun. And so that uh, like gives us a really awesome way to kind of prevent weeds from establishing and getting them while they're small so we don't have to come in and hand weed. Um, that's, I know hand weeding can take a lot of time so uh, we're trying to bring in a more cultivation to prevent that from happening. Well, and that's where volunteers come in. And <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> they do spend a lot of time weeding but we try to get to have them do other things too because everybody gets burnt out on weeding after a while. So, <laughs> is, so is the garden organic pretty much? We follow organic principles and sustainable farming principles, yeah. Oh, great. We're not yeah. certified, but talk but to a lot of a, farmers, that's they're just not. That's just a cause... tech, yeah, a tech thing, uh, being certified. But, uh, I mean, I, I feel as long as you do it, then it's done. <laughs> yeah, we also do, we end up with a lot of uh, bindweed in different places on our site, like a lot of people do. Um, so we do some of this card. We do a lot of cardboard mulching. That's another way that we suppress weeds. So we like layer yeah. cardboard and then like six inches, four to six inches of mulch up on top. And that helps or at least makes the weeds easier to pull out of the ground when they do sprout up. What about composting? Is that what? Uh... What type of composting do you do? And what's, yeah. What does that involve? Well, we can visit that on part of our tour. We, okay. have, we have a composting system. Folks in Moab can bring their vegetable and fruit waste uh, and drop it off. And we have like a pretty easy to navigate system using different uh, wire structures that hold compost at different levels of readiness. So we turn it every week and eventually are hoping to make a product that we can use in the garden uh, this year, next year. <laughs> Right. Okay. So here we're in front of another greenhouse. This looks like... uh, We call this the hoop house. The hoop house. Um, Another tool for season extension. And this has been here since 2010 is when it was completed. Now it looks like you have leaf vegetables going on here, correct? Yeah. So we were able to get in here really early, uh, which is exciting. you know, even while beds were still frozen outside, these fre- these beds had thawed out because of the heat that gets trapped in the space. So we are able to do an early lettuce planting and we can see there's actually onions and some of our brassica seedlings have also found their way in here um, as, they get, as they wait to get planted into our field. So multi-purpose space. And then we'll be running, we have, all, we have salad greens planted in this space. Um, and in about a month and a half or a month or so, it'll transform again into tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, and all that. Okay. These vines, are, are they grapes? or? They are. It's our beloved grape tunnel. Creates a magical ambiance in the uh, <laughs> summer months. Sometimes, actually, we were talking about the garden dinners. We'll put a table 
like in the end there and it kind of creates a nook. The kids love this uh, grape tunnel too. To be totally honest, the grapes are not amazing. They uh, tend to be a little bit on the sour side and they're the ones that have the pits in them. But, okay. um, you know, it's still good for, for taste testing, but it, it's really fun um, place that to makes play. It makes a beautiful vine tunnel. Exactly, exactly. So on uh, back to the uh, dinners, how, how many uh, are scheduled per season? So we try to do um, a Mother's Day brunch, and then we usually do three or four on-site dinners throughout the latest one we did was like mid-October last year um, so we made that one more of like a soup course and tried to pe- keep people warm <laughs> was a little um, and then we do Sorrel River Ranch hosts a garden dinner fundraiser out on their site so uh, that's sort of one of our off-site and so what's, we can have what's the capacity that you we tend to say up to 50 folks um that's what we ask our volunteer chefs to prepare for is up to 50. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, some, it doesn't always reach 50. Um, I think last year our most well attended was around like 43. Um, people were excited to have an outdoor dining option, Right. you know, that felt safe and could be very well distanced and stuff. And they're always done outdoors. Always outside, yeah, exactly. So, and we're this year we're gonna try to. I'll show you the um, Cobb pizza oven that we have, wood fired pizza oven. But our goal this year is to offer a couple more um, pizza nights that are just very casual and not uh, a high ticket price. Because one of the things that um, I really care about and we really care about is making the joys of delicious fresh garden food accessible for everybody so our fundraiser dinners tend to be like four courses and fifty dollars but that's not a price that everybody can afford so we're excited to do um garden pizza pizza nights like you know come by pay what you can maybe we'll do at least one night like that that's just to pay what you can and have some fresh garden veggies um right on top of forward to that yes yeah i mean it, we were, were always like oh that's like what's the one food you could have for the rest of your life every time i pick pizza because pizza. you can change it so much oh, yeah. right and that's and they're fun my, they're fun yeah <laughs> it's fun to make pizza yeah. so this is our rabbitat we have bunnies um <laughs> that the kids love currently only one resident but we actually have some babies that are a very well-kept resident. A well-kept resident. Yep. Bonicula, the kids named her. So um, that's just a fun a fun way to integrate animals into the space. This is our sunken classroom. It's one of the designated teaching spaces that we use. So um, it's our, one of our outdoor classroom spaces. Nice. Also done with the vines. Yep. Yeah, the trumpet vine, which is quite uh, well established. <laughs> so things are starting to green up already. It seems like yeah, we've got, and we've got a lot planted in the field. Um, 
Over here where we're walking, we've got some snap peas and snow peas coming up. They're about two to three inches tall right now. And we've got some lettuce that actually overwintered here. And we've been oh, harvesting nice. from it. Oh, that's beautiful. And, uh, and something to, to yeah. notice, like these peas and all the peas that we've seen, these are all planted by youth, uh, whether they're volunteering, they're here for a program. And that's just something really important to note. And look, they're in beautiful straight lines. They're coming up amazingly. They're like professional grade peas planted by youth in Moab. So that's one excited. of my favorite vegetables is fresh peas. I mean, you can't beat it. <laughs> it's like, they don't need to be cooked, but yeah, they're great. And then uh, these, these are the lettuces that wintered over, you said. Yeah. Wow. They, uh, they did a good job. They're looking good. They didn't all make it, but that's okay. So lettuces, what else can winter over in Moab as far as vegetables? It really depends on what kind of space you have for them. I mean, um, we did lettuce, there is spinach, uh, kale overwinters as well. Those are some really like staple vegetables that can overwinter. Um, but, you know, we can definitely be pushing it. And I'm hoping in this upcoming fall winter to try to push our winter production. You know, we can be growing fennel, kohlrabi, bok choy, all these greens that actually do well in colder climates. Um, we could be doing <clears throat> broccoli and broccolini um, and actually taking advantage of the cool season here. So, yeah, there's lots to do. But these, these are the vegetables that don't do so well when the, once the heat comes on. So what happens during that time? Are they just... Uh, pulled up and yeah so most of our, yeah most of our beds are double cropped um sometimes even triple cropped so that's multiple crops in one season or one year so this lettuce uh will get pulled out we'll see how long it lasts but definitely by early may this whole space will transform all of our winter crops out and fall crops and spring crops will be pulled uh, and make way for our summer crops which are mostly what do you do for the summer yeah, we've got tomatoes, peppers, eggplants. Um, we still have roots going. We will still have our like brassica greens like kale and broccolini. Um, but uh, all the heat-loving crops. Right. So, tomatoes are real big in Moab. They sure are. And they do seem to do well here. Yeah, and those green chilies. Yeah. Hot peppers. Hot right, peppers. right. So well. Melons. Uh, we'll, we'll have our bed of melons. We have, we'll have corn. We'll have bush beans. Uh, we'll have a lot of our summer squash. We'll even have winter squash growing. Um, basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. And part of that area we just saw are... So we used to have a fire pit over there. And turns out we weren't using the fire pit very often. So Rise. planet. <laughs> uh, so we removed that and established more... Uh, growing space because that's as you can see you know there are quite a few maturing shade trees and so one interesting obstacle that has kind of come to light in the past year in particular is like wow these trees are so beautiful and they're big and they're getting bigger and that is great for teaching and summer camp um, and then you, then you get some shading on the beds. Oh, so you have to so adjust. We're for adjusting the trees. a little bit. So um, sort of this mulch patch here that's kind of sticking up that hasn't quite compacted yet. 
you know, those are beds that we can't use any longer because they're just too shady. And if it's not the shade, then it's the roots from the trees. The trees rule, right? You have to work around the trees. Right? Well, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not even just having to work around the trees. We want to because this, right. is, this is like an agro-ecological system. We have our growing spaces. We have our natural spaces. We have native plants. We have the creek. We have all these different types of ecosystems working together. So if we don't work with the trees, like we're not building the space that we want to. So that's the goal of this space is to integrate all these different plants, uh, hopefully in a harmony. <laughs> so I notice uh, a sm uh, orchard over there. Yeah. You have fruit trees. You'll see that a majority of them are mature peaches and one of the fun facts about our orchard is that it was actually moved from across the street when um, the development went in. I can't remember what year it was. I want maybe 2002, 2003 or something like that. Early 2000s. Um, the trees were saved when the development went in and they moved across the street and reestablished and they were uh, re relocated instead relocated. of being uh, destroyed. Yeah, which nice. I think is a really fun a story about our orchard. And, you know, we've had some that have moved on <laughs> in recent times, but we've been pretty good about replanting. And so we're starting to diversify the orchard more. Right now it's mostly peaches, um, which we love. But as the peaches die out, we're adding more cherries and just sort of uh, changing it up a little bit to have kind of a diverse fruit crop. Uh, do you have problems with uh, Moab's fickle spring of freezing the blossoms? From time to time. What's unique about our orchard is that it's, uh, you know, surrounded on three sides by pavement, uh, by black asphalt. And so, uh -huh. believe it or not, that actually insulates the orchard a bit. Right. So It radiates the heat. Exactly. So other, t other places in town might lose their blossoms or their fruit um, when we won't. But we do experience the fickleness that everybody does. And it's like, are we getting apricots this year or not? I don't know. That's always the big mystery is the right. apricots, I feel like. Apricots are the early ones that tend to freeze. But, mm -hmm. yeah, so, but they're so good. They're so, so good. And I notice uh, our feathered chicken friends in the orchard. What's their role? Oh, they do a little bit of everything. They're so great. We love them. They're the, some of the friendliest chickens you'll ever meet. We can go say hi. Um, but they, there's about 20 in there. Or 19? <laughs> Might be the exact number. Uh, they dig up the soil and they poop in the orchard and that helps add some nutrients, um, some more nitrogen to, to the soil and uh, they can some of the bad bugs as well um, and then they lay eggs and we use those eggs uh, we either sell them or you know I mentioned the brunch um, we'll make eggs a central part of that so we use them in our dinners or we give them away to our volunteers um, and then just in general the chickens are another uh, you know just farm friend that the kids love to visit and so we're able to use them as an educational experience as well just with egg production and raising animals and things like that. So. 
Now we're standing in front of uh, what I assume is the main building, which is used for office space. Is that? Or, um, it looks like an old historic building. Is that correct? Yes. So this is the Schaefer House, which is um, the oldest standing um, adobe home in Moab. It's like a, it's been a historic building. And so it was restored when YGP um, was going to move onto the site with the help of a variety of people in the historical society. And so it's now our office space and a little bit of classroom space. It's fun. We have people, well, relatives that will come by um, that are like, well, oh, nice my grandmother a, grew up here. It's nice to have really a cool. piece of Moab history as part of the Oh yeah, it's really cool. I actually just got an email, which is reminding me that I need to respond to it, um, <laughs> from these uh, family members of, um, that they want to have a family reunion here on the YGP site. Oh, and is it from the, the Schaefer family? From the Schaefer family. Wow. Um, gosh, I want to say like, yeah, dating back like a hundred years or something. I'll have to check what the woman had had mentioned to me but yeah they're gonna have a big family reunion here they asked if that was okay next yeah, year how could you that. deny them exactly it's like oh my gosh of course please okay and over the this other newer looking structure what what is this so. so this is our uh certified commercial kitchen and this was built in 2005 and it's where the the food magic happens so. <laughs> the table part of the mission. Oh, you have a nice setup here. Yeah. It's a nice setup. Yeah, we are getting a new fridge delivered on Friday, so there's a big gaping hole at the moment, but that's where the fridge goes. And so you have a commercial stove with oven, uh, lots of plenty of workspace, and sinks, and nice yeah this is so, also where we do a lot of our wash and pack for the produce grown here so everything gets like washed and packaged bunched bagged and then stored in the fridges here so it's used a lot <laughs> yeah good and i'm sure your uh your community dinners are done out of here yeah and in our cooking tomorrow we have like a salad workshop that will be happening in here oh. so any kind of cooking related activity this is an amazing space to have Nice. So, one thing that interests me on the way in, I noticed the outdoor oven. Let's take a look at that. We also do a lot of um, preserving. So, we'll can big batches of jam in there. We sell some value-added products. That's another revenue stream for YGP. So. Am I am I correct? I I thought I uh, is. Do you actually rent out the kitchen for? people to use is that correct we do yeah we have it's available to yeah anyone so we've had people that have small um you know entrepreneurial endeavors like a couple of folks that make salsa that rent the kitchen so if you're wanting to like sell a product you need a commercial kitchen to do so and so that's one of the ways that we kind of empower the community to to be able to do that is okay we have the commercial kitchen um, people can schedule a rental, make their product, and then it's all good in the health department's eyes um, to be able to get on shelves to sell. Great.
So this that looks like a giant garlic, bulb of garlic, is actually a oven, I see, an outdoor oven. Yes. And, and this is where, where you plan on doing your pizza events. Yes. Anybody out there listening has not had a wood-fired pizza, I highly recommend it. Oh, there's nothing better. There's nothing yeah. better. So, yeah, build a little fire in the back there and... How long has this been here? Is it? Mm, it was completed in 2019, and we were able to use it for our first harvest festival, actually, and that was kind of when we broke it in. And it was built by um, volunteers from the that did the community rebuilds program. Oh, okay. That we're familiar working with uh, Straw and Cobb, and so they were really excited to take the project on and came and helped build it and I just love that it's a bulb of it's garlic. It's so yeah, beautiful. It looks really cool and, so, and it was a community effort. Exactly. Makes that nice. So it's. They've even got the roots of the garlic. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it's, that's my favorite part. Yeah. So so yeah this is this is an amazing space and it's as I said I think it's been five years ago since I've been here and I, I it's really evolved and uh, become a big part of the community now and I think that grows over the years and you know from like you said across the street a little little garden and to become a well-established part of Moab. Thank you guys for having me here and and giving me the tour and describing the place and and I highly recommend people get involved and just come visit it and see what's going on. It's, It's really unique for Moab or anywhere really so yeah i really enjoyed this so well thanks for wanting to come talk to us and we'll always stop what we're doing to give people a tour we love visitors and people can also walk around without us anytime well it's nice that you do have the community involved and and this has uh, become such a big part of it so thank you guys thank you